How many are ready to get in the Word this morning? Are you? Are you sure? This morning, we are back. We are in our final message in the series entitled Back to Basics. Back to Basics. What does it mean for us to get back to basics as Christians? Before we get into the message, let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for the message. I thank you for what you direct us to in Scripture. Lord, I thank you for this series. Lord, I thank you that we have the opportunity to go and look through what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a follower of Christ? Lord, may you convict our hearts. Lord, may you move upon us. May, may the word stay with us. Lord, may we be reminded of it as the things that are happening in this world are going to put to test our belief more and more. Lord, we thank you and praise you for your goodness and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. We, as followers of Jesus, as believers in the Bible, as those who call themselves Christians, right, should know what we believe and why we believe it. Amen? Come on. We should know what we believe and why we believe it. The series started with a poll that came out. The results of the poll were stunning. Of those polled, 70% of those who identified as born-again Christians, 70% disagreed with the biblical truth that Jesus was the only way to heaven. 70%. Of people who identified as they said, yeah, we're born-again believers. We're, we're Christians. We love the Lord. They disagreed that Jesus was the only way to heaven. When asked if Muhammad, Buddha, and Jesus all presented valid ways to God, only 20% said they strongly disagreed. That is the modern church. It is a church that has not been taught. It is a church that has endured shallow teaching for far too long. Listen, I don't need an anecdote. I need a word from God. Amen? I don't need a family story. I need a word from God. You need a word from the Lord this morning. You don't need Pastor David's thoughts, and they're tremendous, don't get me wrong. But you need a word of the Lord this morning. Amen? Because the thing is this, if we don't understand what we believe, when it comes down to it, when we're faced with Uh, having to make a decision for Christ or follow the world, we are going to fall every time if we don't understand it. We're going to fall every time if we don't understand what we believe and why. We have people who, who call themselves Christians but are perfectly fine with denying the words of Jesus when He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through Me. They either haven't been taught the Bible, which is tragic, or they just don't care, which is pathetic. You say, Pastor David, is this going to be a hard message? I don't know. It depends on what perspective you're coming from. In this church, from this pulpit, I can stand before God and know that you have been taught the Bible. Amen? But in many, many churches, that is just not the case. Some churches teach parts of the Bible, but not the whole. Some people get half-truth mixed in with uh, secular humanism, and and they become accepting of demonic culture. So how many can say, we don't just want some truth, we want all the truth, amen? We don't want some truth, we want the whole truth. So, 
Throughout the series, we've been following the FCA. As a church, we belong to what's called the Fellowship of Christian Assemblies. And so the FCA, Statement of Faith. And we're going to start this morning by going through what we started with, the first one, and then going through it. So uh, the FCA Statement of Faith says this. Go to the next slide. It says, we believe the Bible is the only inspired, infallible, and authoritative Word of God. If you don't believe that, you have to say, am I a Christian? Because that's what we believe. Go to the next one. It says, there is one God, eternally existent. Can you guys see this okay? Uh, uh, Cindy, can you turn this light off up here? There is one God, eternally existent in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We believe in the deity and humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ. We believe in His virgin birth this morning. Amen? Go to the next one. It says we believe in His sinless life and His miracles. We believe in His vicarious and atoning death through His shed blood. We believe in His bodily resurrection. We don't worship a dead man this morning. We worship one who is alive and well. Go next one. We believe in His ascension to the right hand of the Father. We believe in His personal return in power and glory. When is it going to happen? Soon. Good. We believe that justification by faith in the atonement of Jesus Christ and regeneration by the Holy Spirit are absolutely essential for the salvation of lost and sinful man. Go to the next slide. It says this. We believe that the prime agency for the work of God's kingdom is the Christian local church. Say, that's me. Right? That's you guys. That's me. Is the Christian local church functioning under the sovereignty of our Lord Jesus Christ to fulfill the great commission of preaching the gospel to make and baptize disciples of all nations. The church has been entrusted with the ordinances of believers' baptism and the Lord's Supper. Go to the next one. We believe in the present ministry of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. Which includes the baptism of the Holy Spirit as an experience distinct from regeneration. We believe in His indwelling by which the Christian is enabled to live a godly life. His supernatural gifting and empowerment of the church for its work it's life and worship. The next one. We believe, we covered this uh, in the 1st of December, in a lifestyle and practice of ethical conduct and integrity consistent with the character of Jesus Christ and biblical standards. I could preach on that whole thing right now, but I did it in December. Go listen to it. It's a good one. Uh, go next one. We believe in the return of Jesus Christ. This was last week. To consummate His kingdom in the resurrection of both the saved and the lost, those who are saved to the resurrection of life and those who are lost unto the resurrection of damnation. We don't like to talk about it much in the Christian church, but there are those who will be going to heaven and there will be those who will be going to hell. And you say, well, wait a minute. I mean, do we really want to get into that? Isn't that, that's not very sunshiny and rainbows, right? But no, that is the truth of God's word. And so we're not going to teach you a half truth. We're going to teach you the whole truth. Amen. We believe today. This is the last one, the last bullet point. We believe in the spiritual unity of believers in our Lord Jesus Christ. We believe in the spiritual unity, say all. We believe in the spiritual unity of all believers in Jesus Christ. It sounds, this, I mean, this sounds, Bobby, this sounds like a pretty good message today, right? The spiritual unity of all believers, not, it's not too hard-hitting, pretty light topic, it's one where we can all stand up and we can hold each other's hands and we can sing kumbaya. Amen? Nobody ever did that? Everybody went, went to camp when they were a kid, right? 
when I was a when I was a uh, younger, there was a famous Christian song, and the song was called "We Will Stand" by a band named Avalon. And in the lyrics, uh, well, I'll tell you what. Who who has the video? Go ahead and play the video. Uh, go ahead and turn it up there, Doug. Actually, if I could do this uh, before you before you go ahead and play it, uh, Tim, could you could you make your way forward? Uh, Bobby, could you make your way forward? Louise, come on up. Pablo, come on. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead and uh, no, Mikey. Oh, okay, yeah. Are you able to play that video up there? Nope, Tim, stay here. <laughs> Mikey's taking care of it. Okay, here we go. Yeah, this is a camp moment. So here's what we would do. And you can you can hear you can hear you can watch the lyrics there. And this is what we would sing in our church. Boy, this is such a good, good, good song. I know. And then we knew this part was coming up. Boy, this is cool. Because now there's unity, right? So what we would do is we'd, we'd get together and we'd say, everybody grab each other's hands. Grab my hand, grab each other's hands. And we go back and forth. Oh, arms up. Come on. Can you feel it this morning? Together we will work until he comes. Friends, yeah, that too. <laughs> oh, glory. Can you feel his power? <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Go ahead and shut it off. Give him a hand. <laughs> oh man boy that sounds good right boy that was the, the give I mean, they did a good job they they did they got it right away right this was the essence of 1990s christian unity anthems right actually who tim what was the other song you said friends are friends forever by michael w smith that was always a good one uh as a church so we'd hold hands and and we'd sing that chorus we, we felt strong and united and connected Maybe some people are thinking I'm going to bash the song this morning. But I'm not, because how many know it's good to be strong and united and connected? Amen? How many know that's, in, in truth, there's nothing wrong with the song. There's nothing wrong with, with us having walking hand in hand. It's a good thing when brothers and sisters of the Lord are connected together, we're facing battle together, right? That's a good thing. In fact, the Bible tells us it's a good thing. Ephesians 4, verse 3 through 6 says this Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Say all. 
Romans 12, verse 4 through 5, says this. For just as each of, one, each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, say many, form one body, say one body, and each member belongs to all the others. How many know it is good for believers in Jesus to come together to worship Him, to serve Him this morning? Amen? That's a good thing and something we should strive for as believers. It's something we should strive for as Christians. Over the, the last few weeks, actually, I've been able to connect with pastors from a couple different churches. Uh, and though we may disagree about some theological issues, and maybe even have passionate debate about those issues, I know that when it comes to the basics of faith and full trust in the whole gospel, they are my brothers in the Lord. Amen? Can I tell you something this morning? There are good, godly, Bible-believing Christians at Grandview Baptist Church. Don't everybody say amen at once. Amen? There are good, godly, Bible-believing Christians that go to Grandview. There are good, godly, Bible-believing Christians that go what was formerly known as Crossroads. Now it's called Good News, right? Good News Esterville. So there are good and godly Christians. There's people that love the Lord, believe the Bible, that go to many churches in this region. And now when I say this region, I mean Astorville and Spirit Lake and, and uh, Grettinger. And what's the other ones around here? Uh, Emmitsburg, there's some good ones. There's, uh, what's that? Spencer, there's some good ones. So there are some outreaches and events that I would have no problem in partnering with them. And as long as they stay you know, away from the debatable topics, I wouldn't have any problem in having one share the pulpit with me. I wouldn't have any issue with that. But how many know there are topics which are debatable in the body of Christ and there are topics which are not? We need to have a clear understanding of truth this morning. We can disagree over music style. We can disagree over the nuances of what it means to be elect. We can disagree on, on, on how revelation might play out. But there are many, many things that are firm and foundational. You know, it's an interesting thing. How many know that our church style is different from other churches in town? So we have dynamic praise and worship. We have awesome. And when it comes to that, we're, man, people really like that. They enjoy it. I have a different preaching and teaching style. Some other pastors do. Right? I mean, it's, people, it's, it's known. Yeah. Then there's churches that, that are, you know, maybe a bit more liturgical. Maybe a bit more uh, more hymns than modern. There's stand up, sit down, you know, do what you got to do, and 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 some people find real help and truth in that. My brother belongs to what's called a Greek Orthodox Church, and they believe in Christ, Jesus, born of a virgin, died on a cross, rose again. All this, I mean, everything. But they don't have when they come into a building. There's no seats, like at all. There's just no seats there, and so they walk around, or they sit in a corner, or they sit down in their laps, or whatever it is, you know. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, they don't sit in each other's laps. That would be weird. Uh, but it's just a different style. But they are all part of the body of Christ. Bible-believing, Jesus-loving, 
believers. But there are some things that are firm, foundational. How many know uh, (laughs) when the foundational things are called into question, we have stopped arguing over nuances. We have stopped arguing over what might be semantics. And we are now debating over what's truth and what's not. As Christians, we need to understand what's truth and what's not. When you deny the Trinity, we have a problem. Amen? If you deny the Trinity as a, bo- as, as a body of people who call themselves believers in Jesus, and you deny the Trinity, we're going to have a problem. When you disregard entire portions of Scripture because they offend a perverted culture, we have a problem. When you affirm the lifestyles of those who are living in clear biblical sin, including heterosexual sin, it's not just homosexual sin. Come on. We can't just go, well, that's a problem over there. No, we need to look ourselves in the mirror sometimes, right? Come on, I know this is I know this isn't like a puppy dog tails and rainbows message, but listen, the truth is this. When you deny that Jesus is God, we have a problem. That means that we cannot be in unity together. When you deny the Trinity, we cannot be in unity together. When you deny entire portions of scripture because it might offend, we cannot be in unity together. When you believe that salvation is by works and not grace through faith, we cannot be in unity together. We're going to have a problem. When you call yourself a Christian but believe in a Jesus that's not based on the Bible, we're going to have a problem. We're not going to be able to have unity together. A couple of years ago now, I was contacted by a local pastor who asked us as a church to take part in the community service for Sweet Corn Days. Um, I mean, you know, during Sweet Corn Days, there's, there's a community service. Well, the truth is, initially, I had uh, wanted to do that. I had actually called up one church and actually called up two churches and said there's two churches in the area that I thought, okay, these are evangelical, Bible-loving gospel-centered churches where I think we could come together. We might disagree on some things, but on the basics, we, we had it together, right? And so I said, man, I'd love for us to come together and do some sort of community service on a Sunday that would just be, I think it would be a good thing to do. And I was told, not so many words, that it wasn't a great thing. Uh, not because they didn't want to do a service together, but because there was no air conditioning and there was no comfortable seats and where would the offering go and all sorts of different issues that came up. And so it just it just kind of fizzled out. It didn't work. About a year later, I got a call from this other this pastor and, and said, do you want to take part in this community service? And so I honestly thought, man, this could be great among Bible-believing, Jesus-loving, gospel-teaching churches. The problem was that the goal of the community service is to be as ecumenical as possible. Now, in case you're not sure what an ecumenical service looks like, it's this. It means uh, to bring all the churches together in unity to have the most boring service as possible. Come on.
Come on. That's what ecumenical means. Well, we're going to draw from yours, and we're going to draw from theirs, and we're all going to come together, and we're going to do some liturgical stuff, and we'll do some modern stuff, and we'll, we'll all come together. And the truth is, the idea isn't bad. Right? The truth is, the idea isn't bad. At its most basic, to be ecumenical means that you want, to, you want churches from various denominations to find unity in Jesus, and that's a good thing. Amen? The spiritual unity of all believers, that's a good thing. The problem that comes in is when the churches who say they believe in Jesus, but they don't believe in His Gospel. The problem comes in with those who claim Jesus, but deny the inspiration and authority of His Word. Those who claim Jesus, but are inclusive of all other religions. Those who claim Jesus, but don't believe in the sanctity of life. How many know that we as believers need to stand up for truth? And we need to stand up for life. Those who claim Jesus, but they don't, but they affirm and they celebrate evil lifestyle. What the Bible calls evil, the Bible calls an abomination. You say, I don't believe that. That means you don't believe the Bible. Well, no, I just see it different. You see it different than God? Guess what? <laughs> it's not him who's wrong. It's not him who's wrong in his thinking or wrong in his mindset. It's you who has gotten captured by culture. And so when we have an opinion that doesn't line up with the Word of God, it is not up to God to change his opinion. It's up to us to change ours. And so you say, I either believe the Bible or I don't. I was asked by this pastor for us to participate in this service where we can stand side by side with these churches and show the community that we have unity in Jesus. And the truth is, I would really like to be in a good community service where the true gospel is preached, where sin is called out, where Jesus is glorified. But the way that this service was being described and with who was in charge of it, I knew that would be extremely unlikely. And so immediately I felt a check in my spirit. Do you guys know what I mean when I say that? A red flag came up. You go, I don't know quite what's wrong, except I knew exactly what was wrong. And it's just one of those things where I said, you know, I don't think that that's something we want to be a part of. The truth is that I've preached with various pastors, other pastors at funerals and at events and community events. I've done those things. And I've been more than happy to pray and preach at those different events. But when it came to this, something just didn't settle right. And so I told him that I didn't think it was a good idea. And he asked why. And then he didn't like my answer. And my answer was this. Why would we as sheep lay down with wolves? Matthew chapter 10 tells his disciples, Jesus tells the disciples that they are like sheep among the wolves who want to persecute and harm them. So why would we as sheep lay down with wolves? It seems to me that having a service together in some of those, with some of those churches would cause confusion for Christians and non-Christians alike. I'll say, well, this church believes in gay marriage and they're not pro-life. But they're holding hands and, 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 and celebrating together with this church who says that they are for life. 
wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. How can they be in unity with this church? How can light be in unity with darkness? Come on. Does anybody hear what I'm saying this morning? I believe in the spiritual unity of all believers under Jesus Christ. But just because you go to a church and just because you have a building that says church does not mean that you are under the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe the time for unity among true believers of Jesus Christ of the Bible, it is more important now than ever. I really believe it is more important now than ever. And I also believe that unity for the sake of unity among those who claim Christ but ultimately deny the gospel is simply a tool of the enemy, and I will not take part in it. You say, Pastor David, well, I mean, doesn't that mean you're going to be, you know, ostracized and, and, and not, you know, you won't be a part of community events? Yeah. Yeah, that's what it means. I've heard from different pastors in town and, and from, uh, from the, the, let me, let's, let's, let's say it this way. Uh, there's people talking about this church. Talking about this church and talking about me in particular. And it's one of those interesting things where I say, man, I got no need to defend myself. I really don't. We're preaching the truth. We're preaching the truth of God's word. And it's what it is. And they'll say, well, you don't want to participate in community events. I mean, don't you want to be a part of the group? We can hold hands together and smile and say, we have unity and glory and kumbaya. And we can walk hand in hand right to hell together. Or we can stand up for truth. And for those who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, who believe in the gospel, who believe that he was born of a virgin, he died on a cross, he rose again. He's coming back in glory. He's coming back for a bride that's pure. We want to be part of that bride. Amen? There are too many churches, too many Christians, too many people who call themselves Christians who have compromised their faith. In our study last year in Revelation, we looked at Revelation chapter 17 and we, we're, we gained an understanding of what it, was, what it was to be called the whore of Babylon. How many remember that? It was last year, it was a big study in Revelation. We got to the whore of Babylon. I'm not going to pre re-preach the whole message. And I want to you know, keep in mind that there's kids here, and so I'm not going to get into too many things. But, excuse me. I want you to keep in mind who and what she is and what she represents. Babylon is referred to a woman. She's the mother of harlots. She's the queen of prostitutes. Her cup is filled with abominations and filthiness, and her fornication is the indicator of what we are looking at as religious in nature. Verse 15 of Revelation 17 says she sits on many waters. It's another way of saying she is in leadership of multiple people and cultures. A few commentaries read this. The woman pictures false religion that will dominate the world in the tribulation period. She is the unification of all false idolatrous religion. She's clothed with, clothed with luxurious purple and scarlet, Gold, precious stones, pearls. She looks good. She looks wealthy. She looks like royalty. But keep in mind that despite what she looks like on the outside, the reality is that she is nothing but a prostitute. 
The whore of Babylon is drunk and intoxicated by the blood of the saints. She enjoys her persecution. It causes her ecstasy to see God's people suffer. We see that John is looking at this woman in Revelation and looking at her in amazement. And John is amazed because this wasn't pagan persecution. This wasn't persecution from those clearly opposed to Christ. But this was religious error. This was religious persecution. This is from the pseudo-church. This is those who are thirsty for the blood of the saints. One pastor said it this way, false religion is always the worst enemy of true faith. There have been enormous amounts of speculation throughout the years as to what specific organization, could, uh, what, what could this describe? And for a long time, it landed on the Roman Catholic Church. Just being honest with you, that's where it landed on. And let me be very transparent about this. There are principles and positions within the leadership and structure of the Catholic Church which can be both problematic as well as outright in conflict with the Bible. Can we make that very clear this morning? For example, if you want to talk about ecumenical, this is a very good picture of it. In addressing a prayer gathering of Christians, Muslims, Jews, Buddhists, and others, Pope John Paul II told participants that their efforts were unleashing profound spiritual energies in the world and bringing about a new climate of peace. The Pope pledged that the Catholic Church intends to share in and promote such ecumenical and interreligious cooperation. The Catholic Review commented on this and said, the unity of religion promoted by the Holy Father and approved by His Holiness the Dalai Lama is not a goal to be achieved immediately, but a day may come when the love and compassion of both Buddha and Jesus Christ preached so eloquently will unite the world in an effort to save humanity from senseless destruction and will lead towards the light in which we all believe. Wolves. Can I say that again? Wolves in sheep's clothing. They are wolves. One minister said it this way, being a Christian means being a member of the body of Christ. Spiritual unity of all believers means being a member of the body of Christ, which is accomplished by faith and trust in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of our sins. It means that you don't have to add your works to His grace. Sincerity doesn't forgive sins. Membership in a church doesn't forgive sins. Doing works of penance doesn't forgive sins. Praying to Mary does not forgive sins. Baptism as a baby doesn't forgive sins. It doesn't equal salvation. Forgiveness is received in the faithful trust and acceptance of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. You must trust Jesus, God in flesh, for the forgiveness of sins, not trust in a man-made ritual, and certainly not in the Catholic saints. And some people would ask, well, does that mean Catholics aren't saved? I mean, they have such nice people and such good causes, and they have great fish dinners, and they have awesome pancake breakfasts. Right? And so that's what we focus on, those things. And to answer that question, I would echo the words of Tim Challies. It's this. Those within the Roman Catholic Church who have experienced salvation, and I do believe that there are those who have, have done so despite the church's official teachings, not through it. There are churches in this community, Catholic, Presbyterian, Lutheran, 
Grandview, here, there, all around. Where there are true Bible-believing Christians. There are true people who love the Lord, love the Gospel, love, I mean, they're on board. Right? But I want to say very clearly, some of those churches are not preaching the entire Gospel. And many of those people are saved not because of those churches' teachings, but in spite of those churches' teachings. We have to remember that regardless of how nice we are, regardless of how nice people are, niceness does not equal salvation. Amen? I know many cult members who are incredibly nice. Also incredibly deceived, because that's how the, the enemy operates. He works in subtle, harmless ways. It seems harmless, right? Let's just have a community service together. And now you say, Pastor David, does that mean we'll never have a community service? No, that's not what that means. I would love to have a community service with other like-minded believers. With other evangelical, Bible-believing, gospel-centered believers. I think that would be great. I don't have any issue doing some things with different churches in town. Because, I mean, you know, I'm not just picking on the Catholic Church because, you know, there's plenty who have issues. But it's worth noting that when we look at Revelation, when we look at Babylon, when we look at the whore of Babylon, it's not referring to a single organization. It's referring to false religion as a whole. Right? I know those within the Protestant church who preach false gospel and are substantially more focused on the culture than Christ and social justice. How many know what that is? Social justice rather than on salvation. One influential Protestant pastor, he said this, God cares infinitely more about making sure everyone has food, shelter, and health care than whether or not you accept Jesus as your personal Savior. God cares more about you having health care than on whether or not you accept Him as your personal Lord and Savior. Again, again, this is false religion. So the time is coming, and I believe it's coming shortly, when the church is going to face real persecution, and it's then we're going to see how many people are truly followers of Christ. And those are who we unite with. Right? When we talk about the spiritual unity of all believers, all believers in Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, died on a cross, rose again, coming back in glory, Jesus of the Bible. Not, we're not talking about the false Jesus. We're not talking about false Christ. And so when we say that, even in that song, it says, if you believe in Jesus, you belong to me. And I think, well, there's some people who say they believe in Jesus, but they don't really believe in Jesus. And you say, well, Pastor David, how can you know? Pray. I know that's a foreign word to a lot of people, but we need to learn how to pray. Have discernment. Think about those checks. Think about those red flags. Say, man, something here doesn't quite settle right. I mean, they say they believe in the gospel. They say they believe in the Bible. But then I see them celebrating this. And I see them ecstatic about this. And I see them affirming this. 
We believe clearly in the spiritual unity of all believers in our Lord Jesus Christ. We believe that He was born of a virgin, died on a cross, rose again. We've said it all, right? I pray we will stand arm in arm. I really do believe it's a good thing for believers to stand in unity. That we will stand arm in arm and we will boldly beat back the enemy. Listen, we have to keep in mind, we love people, we want to minister to people, we want to minister truth to people. Our enemy is not people. Amen? We fight against principalities and powers. And how you fight is in your prayer closet. How you fight is prayer at church. We believe all of those things. He's born of a virgin, died on a cross, rose again, coming back in glory. And for those who stand with us to beat back the enemy, we're going to continue to do it. I believe that there are people in this church that are ready to do it. I believe there's people in the church that have been doing it. And we're going to do it until Jesus comes to meet us or I go to meet him. Amen? Stand up this morning. Until Jesus comes to meet us or I go to meet him. Oh, oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. God is good this morning. He's only good. He's good all the time. Lord, I thank You that we can have unity as brothers and sisters in the Lord. That we can have unity with those outside of this church, outside of these walls, that are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. That are believers in the whole Gospel. Lord, that we would stand arm in arm with them. That we would stand side by side and fight together this culture and the enemy. Lord, that we would love on people. That we would teach them truth. That we would show them not half-truths, but the whole truth of You. Lord, Lord, I pray over those who are here this morning. Those who are watching online, Lord, I pray that You would bless them. Lord, I pray that You would keep them. Lord, I pray that You would cause Your face to shine down upon them. And Lord, I pray that You would give us rest and comfort in Jesus' name. Amen.